In life's journey, we must seek to reflect, learn, and grow. Welcome to the Road to Rediscovery with your host, Aubrey Johnson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Road to Rediscovery. I'm your host, Aubrey Johnson, and I'm so glad that you're here with me. The Road to Rediscovery is about reflecting on life lessons to learn and grow from them, and of course, pay it forward to uplift others who are struggling. You know, we talk a lot about our mental state in our episodes, right? Reflection and wellness. We talk about our family life, uh, accountability, holding yourself accountable, and responding to adversity. Well, these and more are all parts of our whole selves. Another part is our financial wellness. What are we doing to address our financial wellness? What other aspects of ourselves are impacted by our healthy or not so healthy financial state? My next guest is a financial professional who helps real estate investors, business owners, and full-time employees with creating their own sources of financing while also growing safe and predictable wealth all at the same time with the same money. He's a member of the Bank on Yourself organization, teaching people how to become their own source of financing, and he has just launched his new podcast, Think Like a Bank. Please help me welcome Sari Ibrahim. Sari, welcome to the show, man. How you doing? Hi, Aubrey. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Oh, no, absolutely. We reciprocate, man. We appreciate, we appreciate your time and coming on the show for sure. So let's go ahead and uh, just open into it, man. And if you can just share a bit of your background with the listeners. Well, yeah, thank you. Um, so I am from Chicago, Illinois. I'm born and raised here, lived here my whole life. And I started in started my career in the financial services world, also in the insurance world, about six years ago, around 2015, when I was doing my MBA mm -hmm. uh, here in Chicago. And I started working for different companies um, in the insurance world. Like I worked at Allstate Insurance and Blue Cross Blue Shield and a couple other companies. And then I kind of made my way into the independent brokerage world as an independent broker. Um, this is where you're self-employed and you bring your own client to the insurance companies and, and you help them. You're like their consultant. So this is, this is what I was doing. Gotcha. I was a Medicare consultant working with a lot of retirees and, and people who were uh, charting 65 and retiring and merging off of their their employer plans onto their own individually owned Medicare plans. So mm -hmm. that was my job for a few years, just helping them make that trans transition. Mm -hmm. And it was really rewarding, you know, got, getting to know these clients and getting to have a personal touch with them. I was like their personal problem solver. And then one of the, uh, during this, that time, one of my clients asked me if I could help him with life insurance. And he mentioned there's this special type of life insurance that has cash value that builds up over time. And I had no idea what he was talking about. Mm -hmm. But I was like, you know, this sounds like a really good idea, you know, just based off of how he was explaining it. And I told him, I'm not familiar with this, but I'm going to go out and do research because I'm also interested in this as well. Yeah. So I went and did research on Amazon and just searched for books on life insurance. And I typed in life insurance. And, and then one book that came up um, is this book called The Bank on Yourself Revolution by Pamela Yellen. Mm. And the book pretty much talks about this concept, this, this concept called bank on yourself. Uh, it's invented by Pamela Yellen, the author of the Bank on Yourself Revolution. Mm -hmm. And it is also known as the infinite banking concept. So th these two concepts are similar. They both use the underlying asset or the underlying thing is 
the use of dividend paying co-life insurance for self-banking purposes. So in long story short, helping people become their own sources of financing. Mm-hmm. And as I was reading this book, I was like, you know, this isn't going to, this isn't just helpful for my Medicare client. This is also helpful for anybody, anybody who has a job, anybody who's a real estate investor, anybody who's a business owner. There's a lot, there's so much you could do um, with this concept to help regain control of your financial life. So then I founded the company Financial Asset Protection, and this is our main focus. It's a, We're a financial services firm located in Chicago, and we help clients in all 50 states. And our main focus is the utilization of dividend-paying whole life insurance for self-banking purposes. Gotcha. Gotcha. Oh man, that's man, that, that, that's wonderful. I mean, it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's allowing, uh, clients to kind of see finances from a, from a different lens than what they have been used to seeing. It sounds like. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Gotcha. So what originally drew you to the finance industry? Sorry. Yeah. So it's, it's money, right? And mm-hmm. it's definitely money has always been interesting to me and not so much from the, the, the part of um, the magnificent magnificence of it or how, how cool it is, but rather mm-hmm. the problems behind it. Since right. money tends to be, you know, the number one cause of all problems in relationships in friendships and businesses and where you live and, and money tends to be the biggest, you know, barrier for people. Right. And I kind of caught on to this at a young age. I didn't know much about money, obviously, you know, I didn't know much about money until uh, a few years ago, until I was in the financial services world. But for my whole life, I just had a basic understanding that money is really important. And it's also the root of either a problem or a solution. It could either be a lack of money could be a problem and mm-hmm. the means to it could be a solution, but not always, right? Money doesn't solve every problem there is, right. but it tends to be a huge problem. And I, and I always wanted to be a problem solver. I always wanted to connect the dots for people. Yeah. So I figured getting into the world of financial planning would be perfect for that. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's connecting problem solving with you know money and, and the subject of it and, and the kind of uncomfortable subject of it, of course. But yeah. I was, you know, as learning about it, especially like insurance helped with that too, being an insurance advisor and insurance consultant helping people protect their, you know, um, their auto insurance, their auto home, you know, their Medicare, their life insurance. And right. those, those are all rewarding too, because right. we were connecting a solution. But when I came across this concept, the infinite banking concept or mm-hmm. the bank on yourself concept, I was mm-hmm. like, this could be the solution for a lot of people. And it really it drew me in. And this is why I want to kind of tell the whole world about this. This is why I'm on, you know, a lot of podcasts talking about this subject and why I started my own podcast called thinking like a bank mm-hmm. and Aubrey, there's actually a, a quick story behind the, the, the title of thinking like a bank. Yeah. So I found out that banks actually are the biggest purchasers of dividend paying whole life insurance. And there's a reason why they do it. It's because of, and we'll get into more on the benefits of it, but mm-hmm. because of all the benefits around dividend paying whole life insurance, they're doing that um, because of the safety behind it and all the other benefits. So I'm like, you know, if banks are doing this, there's something, there are a lot of things they're doing that are, that are working for them as far as the control of money and the control of other people's money. So that's why I founded the, uh, the podcast called Thinking Like a Bank to, to mimic what people are doing and to kind of copy those strategies that anybody could use, like, like the banks use. Gotcha. Gotcha. hundred percent. Yeah. And, and, and man, that is some exciting stuff that I can't wait for us to, uh, to, to further get to, uh, to get to down further down in our conversation, um, talking about, um, the bank on yourself organization, uh, the great work there and, uh, a lot of the benefits behind that, right. Um, that, mm-hmm. that you show and, and, and reveal to your, to your clients. 
So um, one thing I did want to mention, which um, uh, it's something I, you, you, uh, you touched on that uh, really kind of resonated with me. Money can be the source of many things, like you said, mm-hmm. right? Um, it could be, uh, it could cause problems in relationships uh, with uh, spouses. It could mm-hmm. cause problems with best friends. It can cause problems uh, in, in so many different facets of our lives. And it could be a means, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, um, how much of that, uh, because everyone goes through financial problems at some point in their lives, you know, mm-hmm. but um, how much of those financial problems are hinged around the perspective of money that that person has at that time. Yeah, you mentioned a keyword perspective. It's mm-hmm. the, the thought of the money. Yeah. And I think it's, I don't know the exact percentage, but I would say most of the time mm-hmm. money has a lot to do with the underlying problems. And it might not be, it might be indirect too. So Somebody might say, oh, you know, it wasn't the money. It was the other issues that caused the problem. But if you really draw into it, it tends to be money. But it's the perspective of it. And money money and perception go hand in hand because um, in order to take control of your financial life and get ahead financially in life, you must have a very positive mindset. It has to start with your mind. 80% of it is you believing in yourself. Right. So this is you believing that, especially for example, if you're starting a business um, or, or running a business, you need to understand that 80% of it is your mind and you telling yourself what, what the outcome of it, whether That's you're going to be successful or not. So mindset has a huge connection with accumulating wealth and then vice versa. Let's say you do have all the money in the world, but you don't have the mindset, you probably won't keep it, which explains why I forgot where the stat is. It's like 80% of people who win the lottery end up bankrupt like five years later. And, you know, most, you know, uh, superstars and celebrities and NBA and football, professional football players end up broke after their contracts are over yeah. uh, because they can't, they don't know what to do with money. They can't handle it and they don't have plans in place again because of the mindset. So they go hand in hand. You need mindset to get to money and the money to keep the mindset. Or they, they both go hand in hand, in other words, mindset and money for sure. Yeah, no, they do. And and I'm so glad you brought that up, sorry, um, because uh, the opposite, the other side of the coin, right, those who have a lot of money and mm-hmm. who have like this windfall, you know, whether it's winning the lottery or you, you come up from humble beginnings, maybe, I don't know, in a ghetto or a poverty area, mm-hmm. become a professional athlete and millions of dollars are thrown your way. You know, um, mm-hmm. how do you manage it? How, what's your perspective of the money at the time? It could be on opposite ends of the coin and still lead to problems and struggles, right? So uh, I, I, was, I, I would love to learn more about any problems or struggles that that you've had, because um, you have a very, very acute sense of and perspective of of money, putting it every. What's that saying? I can't remember. Um, everything has a place. In something like in everything, there's a place. In a place, there's everything, and in everything has a place. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess what I'm getting at is, you know, in your life where you place money. And you have a very healthy, acute uh, perspective of that. So um, I think and I believe that is crafted and refined over time and experiences and events and, 
and lessons, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so what type of tough lessons or struggles um, that, that you've had? And the reason I'm asking this, Sari, is because a lot of the listeners here who are going through dark times, some of those dark times and struggles may be financial-based, to your point mm-hmm. earlier. And, um, I, you know, to have a financial professional um, share any down-to-earth stories about themselves and the struggles they've had, you know, can, can, can really, really hit the light bulb on for our listeners to understand, hey, this is real, and I'm not the only one going through this or who has gone through this. So if you can share some of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So my, my biggest kind of event that it was more of a numerous events that kind of had this light bulb that went off that was like, you know, money is important, but also not just the, the, the money itself, but also the income behind it. Yes. Um, I remember I was a couple of years ago, I was working for, um, I was working for a company and I was, I was doing some consulting. And I traveled overseas with my wife. And while we were overseas, this was the first time in my life this happened to me. I, I made money. Like, it wasn't that much money. But the point is, I was making money on a recurring basis mm-hmm. um, when I was overseas and not even working. It was like on PTO and it was paid and it was just coming in uh, on a recurring basis. And I was like, you know, this is what I want. This, it, was, it, was, it wasn't that much money. But I was like, this is what I want. I want to be able to keep making money even when I'm not working right? and wherever I'm at in the world. And again, it's not large sums of money. It's just more of the recurring income coming in. And I realized that was like an aha moment where it was like, this is wealthy. Wealthy is the recurring constant income coming in, not just the money you're sitting on in your bank account or just the wealth you've accumulated, but the recurring, the, the, the refill rate of that money coming back in after you've spent it. Mm-hmm. There's a famous book. Um, a lot of people have heard, you know, a lot of people in the financial world have read it. It's called The Richest Man in Babylon. Mm-hmm. And it talks about, the author talks about that, that it's not just, you know, he can, uh, he, he says your purse as in your, your, your bank account. Uh, it's not just the, the amount of money you have in your purse or your bank account, mm-hmm. um, but it's the income that comes in to fill in the money you've spent after you've taken care of your expenses. How do you refill that back? And mm-hmm. I was like, this is what I want to build in the future, I want to build an income stream or numerous income streams. Again, they don't have to be huge income streams. Right. They just have to be enough to cover your expenses and a little bit more right. from different places that are not co- correlated or connected. Meaning if something happens in one industry or something happens in the stock market, mm-hmm. that they're not all affected or one of them is not affected. You have numerous streams of income coming in to constantly keep life moving without having to work for every single hour of the day. Um, in other words, you don't have to trade time for money. This was, I think, the, the biggest aha moment I had with the events because um, I've always had to work directly for money. You know, uh, for every hour I work, I get paid for that. And if I don't work, um, I no longer get paid, which drew me into heavily drew me into the financial services world because mm. that is one of the huge benefits of the world of the financial services world is making passive income after you've accumulated a client base. Again, it's not easy at all right. by any means, but it's possible. And I think that the audience, um, this would open up the, the ears of, for the audience is that there are ways to make passive income and passive income is so important, even at a minimal, minimal scale. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so uh, that leads me to another question, Sari, is um, uh, for so many years, for so many generations, um, it has been, you know, equal work for equal pay or you, you had, mm-hmm. like you said earlier, you know, if, if you clock in, 
mm-hmm. and you got paid. If you didn't clock in, you didn't get paid. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and that was the conventional way of thinking for so many generations regarding uh, getting paid, you know? Um, now mm-hmm. that we are in the, um, you know, the technological age and 21st century and, and all sorts of uh, innovations and technologies uh, have emerged, especially with uh, the, the launch of, well, since the pandemic broke out last year and uh, mm-hmm. all, all of these different uh, uh, web, web conference platforms have taken place. Um, do you feel or sense there's a shift in society's way of thinking in terms of obtaining a steady income? I think the idea of needing steady income has definitely shifted over since COVID. In other words, before COVID, people didn't think that was really necessary that to be in a stable industry or to have steady income and to have even numerous sources of income. Um, So definitely COVID opened that up because I think we always hear like, you know, save for a rainy day or save for darker times, or right. dark times, or right. you know, all these like kind of, you know, um, like quotes, you know, but yeah. they're, they're kind of distant from us. But COVID really brought those out and made those real. Like, yeah, you do like 30, I forgot 35, what, 35 million people yeah. lost their jobs. Almost 10% of the whole U.S. population mm-hmm. lost their jobs as a result of COVID, you know, and the vast majority of them, I would bet 90% of those people only had one source of income, their direct job. Right. And I think that turned on a light bulb for a lot of people. Whereas, like, I, I'm never gonna have this happen to me again. So the people that went through that are like, you know what? I'm. This is my opinion. I think what happened. I think people are like, you know what? From now on, I'm gonna do things and I'm gonna save more money. So this way, you're not you're not in a tight position when you no longer have a job. Because to me, it's crazy that you could have everything relying on essentially your your job, but even more specific to that one person in your, in your company, you know, yeah. one CEO or one CFO who wants to save, you know, an extra $150,000 a year. Mm-hmm. And then that's it. That's your job. And that's going to affect you and your family and your kids and everybody else who's relying on you financially. And I think that's crazy that that's the reality for a lot of people that and you definitely do need to think of steady income and multiple streams of income and where and, and specifically where your money lives which ties into the infinite banking concept is that your money is living somewhere that's with with an insurance company that's been in business for over 160 years. And that's kind of went through all the downturns of the U S economy and other economies. And I think that's, and that's a huge part too, is that you want to, you want to consider that where does your money live? Where does your money live and grow and outpace inflation Mm -hmm. and won't be affected by market conditions? Ah, I see. I see. Okay. So, you know, uh, that mind shift that people are starting to have now, especially those who have lost their jobs through um, the pandemic, um, it's, it, it's, it's not just saying I'm going to put some money aside and I'm going to, you know, make sure uh, I, I'm never without a paycheck. But it's also mm-hmm. a mind shift in, in, in going away from the conventional way of thinking for so, you know, for so many years that, I can only get a paycheck if I mm-hmm. clock in at work and work, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it sounds like that, that people are, are now starting to know and believe that I can make money residually while not mm-hmm. working or passive income, right? Mm-hmm. That's great. 
That's great. You know, uh, Sari, <laughs> I listened to one of your episodes, man, and um, you have a great show. Very, very informative. Uh, I, I, I really, really uh, appreciate the anecdotes and the insights from you and from your guests. Uh, you know, and and the last one I listened to, I think your guest was uh, Mark Willis. And he, he has some great financial insights, you know. He, he said a lot of great things. But there are two things, if, if you don't mind me sharing, there are mm-hmm. two things that he said that resonated with me, okay? The first one was, um, and I'm paraphrasing here, uh, fish are not the last ones to know they're in the water. Are the last ones, sorry. Fish are the last ones to know they're in the water, which kind of made me chuckle. But then it also stopped and made me think, right? And the, uh, the, 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 second, the second thing he said was, we are all bankers. Mm-hmm. We've just been sitting on the wrong side of the table and seeing mm-hmm. things from the, the, a different side of the table. C- can you break that down for the listeners, if you can? Yeah, definitely. So that was by Mark Willis, my mentor, actually, mm. um, and somebody who has helped me a lot in this industry and, and with my podcast. And, and I was actually a guest on his podcast. Um, and yeah, and, and what he means by that is we all use banks somehow, some way um, yes. from from the time we earn our, our income to putting it in a checking account, savings account, to use our debit card, credit card, our mm-hmm. auto loans. Everything we do is is within the banking industry. Mm. And even if even if we use cash for everything, we're still in the banking industry because when you use cash for everything, you lose the opportunity cost you could have earned had that money mm-hmm. um, been invested or saved somewhere else that was earning you compound interest. So when so in other words, we're all using interest somehow, some way we finance everything we touch, everything we use is finance, either through cash, other people or ourselves. And we're all in the banking industry. But it's a matter of sitting on the right side of the banking banking industry. Mm. And to go a little bit deeper. Um, the average American spends about one third of their money, 33% to service debt. Mm. So if you make $100,000 a year, one third of that, so $33,000 on average goes to service credit cards, student loans, mortgages, personal debt. Um, it's going to a bank somehow, some way it's going right. to a bank. Right. And everybody's so focused on, you know, oh, my, you know, it's, you know, my mortgage is 3%. My mm-hmm. auto loan is 4%. Mm-hmm. My student loans are 3.5% kind of staying in that low interest environment, of yeah. course, um, as recommended conventionally to stay in a low interest environment. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, is that it's not the interest rate you're paying. It's the volume of interest. The it's volume. how many times are you going to pay three and three percent, three and a half percent? How many times? Yes. If that and that's going to equal about one third of your money. That's what banks want. Banks want you to use them for everything, get low interest loans on everything they have, but to constantly feed them you know, one third of the money you're making. And for some people, it's one half of the money. For, for some people that are over leveraged and have a lot of debt, right. half the money they're making goes to the bank. So it's almost like we're working for the banks. Now to sit on the other side of the banking table is when we become our own source of financing, where we go to ourselves, we recoup the interest we would otherwise pay to lenders. We recoup that in our pocket by becoming our own source of financing. And this is done through the bank on yourself concept. This is what we help clients with. We help them set up these accounts for them to take back control of their life. For example, let's say somebody has um, $10,000 in credit card debt. We would help them build up their whole life insurance policy, build up the cash value in it to the point where they have enough money to start borrowing against their policy and then pay down the credit card with that. So what they're doing is they're moving the debt from the credit card company to their whole life insurance policy. And when they do that, they're 
they're, they're moving the debt to a company they're a mutual owner of. So in other words, when you have a whole life insurance policy, you're a mutual owner of that policy. And the rule is with, with dividend paying whole life insurance and self-banking is that you want all the debt to move to your side of the table. You want it to move to your side of the table. So this way you're going to earn compound interest. You're taking something that's negative and turning it into a positive mm. by taking back control of your financial life. And this is done again through the utilization mm. of dividend paying whole life insurance by building up the cash value and then being able to do whatever it is that you want to do, either financing your deals through that real estate deals, investing in a business or investing in real estate passively or, or in other businesses passively, pretty much the recapturing those dollars back into your orbit, back into your world using this concept. Wow. Those are tremendous benefits, tremendous benefits. And on top of those benefits, I mean, it opens up a lot of doors, you know, of, of, of potential endeavors, right? For mm -hmm. people, people who want to travel the world and never thought it would be possible. They can mm -hmm. do so if they'd like. People who want to, who knows, um, buy a second home, maybe a beach house, you know, uh, or pay for their children's education. You know, it, mm -hmm. it, it opens up a lot of doors, it sounds like. Some tremendous benefits for sure, man. So, Sari, how can the listeners connect and learn more about you? Yeah, they can go to our website. It's finassetprotection.com, F-I-N, asset protection.com. Mm -hmm. And I'll actually um, send them a free copy of the book. Uh, it's called Becoming Your Own Banker by Nelson Nash. I'll send them a free copy of that book. And Nelson Nash was the one who kind of invented the infinite banking concept. I'll send them a free copy of that book if they reach out to us at finassetprotection.com. They can also go there and schedule a free appointment. All our appointments are actually free. All our consultations are free. They can reach out to us if they have any questions or if they want to just send me an email, they can find that in the website at finassetprotection.com. Fin, F-I-N, assetprotection.com. Correct. Wonderful. I will make sure that the website is, uh, is, is on the episode show notes. And like you said, including the book and free consultation, I'll, I'll make notes of those in the episode show notes so that, you know, people can see, you know, here's the benefit if you reach out and learn more about this awesome concept about banking on yourself. Um, man. Sari, I really, really appreciate having you on the show, man. I mean, I've really enjoyed our conversation and you've, you've shared some incredible insights uh, that, that I'm sure the listeners can truly benefit from. And for those who are going through dark times and struggling that may be financial based, um, you, you, I think, man, I, I truly believe you've given them, you've given them a sense of hope in terms of how they can turn things around. So thanks again, man, for coming on the show big time. Aubrey, thank you so much for having me on. No, my pleasure, man. So now we're going to go to a segment I like to call Three for the Road, all right? And in Three for the Road, this is where I ask my guests three random yet thought-provoking questions that I challenge them to answer in five words or less. So what do you think, mm -hmm. Sarah? You think you're up for it? Let's do it. All right, fantastic. And by the way, my questions are, um, they're customized for my guests. So they're not cookie cutters. They're not the same question that I ask every guest. They are customized for my guests based off their background and profession. Okay. So obviously yours is all financial. <laughs> okay. the, flir the, the first one here, Sari, is, um, is, may sound kind of cliche. Um, and I'm sure you've been asked this question before. Not sure if you've been asked this question to answer in five words or less, but here we go. Question number one for three for the road. What is financial freedom? 
living life on your own terms. I'm digging it. Okay. Living life on your own terms. Totally, man. Totally. All right. Number two for three for the road. (laughs) In what we know about Warren Buffett, what lesson does he give us with financing and finances? Um, I'm, I'm going to chop up the quote, but somebody is living in the shade now because somebody planted a tree a long time ago. So definitely mm. think long term and think of what you could build for mm. the future and for your next generation. Very nice. Very nice. Love it. Love it. All right. And to top us off with question number three for three for the road. Here we go, Sari. In what we know about Nicolas Cage, what lesson does he give us with finances? <laughs> you got me. <laughs> uh, I don't know much. I'm just going to put it out there. I don't know much about Nicholas Cage. Well, well, well I'll, I'll, I'll put it this way, okay? Um, Nicholas, Nicholas Cage, uh, he blew an entire $150 million fortune, bought a private island, a dinosaur skull, and owed the IRS $6.3 million in taxes. And this was back in 2018. Yeah, don't be like a Nicolas Cage. <laughs> <laughs> don't be like Nicolas Cage. That's five words, man. <laughs> okay, there you have it, man. <laughs> yeah, but, but to add on to that, yeah, I, I think Nicholas, a lot of people are like Nicolas Cage, though, out there, especially in the yeah. U.S. So it, it's, it's, his is just what we know about now, you know, after, after learning that. It's, it's, his is public. But a lot of people are in that same situation mm-hmm. when they come across large amounts of money. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, big time, big time. And like you said, like we said in our conversation earlier, perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, perspective. Sari, man, it's been great having you on the show again, man. Thank you again so much. Really, really, really uh, appreciate your time and your insights, man. Aubrey, thank you so much. I had a really good time. Thank you. Awesome. No, you're welcome. And again, for everyone, we will have links to Sari's website. That is finassetprotection.com, along with information on receiving a copy of the book and free consultation on the episode show notes. I want to send a big thanks to all of you for checking in and listening. If you could, please rate and review the podcast. Uh, That would mean so much to me if you like what you're hearing. Also, and more importantly, if you know someone struggling through some major challenges in life and they're at their wits end and feel like there's nowhere to turn, please, I implore you, please share this podcast with them. Ladies and gentlemen, the road to rediscovery, it's part of a movement, part of a revolution. And guess what? You're now part of it. Together, we are roadies, and it sure feels good having you on the journey. Thanks again for listening. We'll chat again soon. The Road to Rediscovery is an AJ Shark production.